I know what you're thinking out there. I know you're thinking he's wearing that one glove that Michael Jackson used to always wear when he was on stage, right? You're thinking that, right? Well, it's a little known fact that Michael Jackson actually dislocated his finger perfecting the moonwalk. I kid you not. It's, it's, and so I, uh, I am recovering from a dislocated finger. And uh, the doctors put this contraption on here this week. So it looks much worse than it is. I'll try not to wave it around too much as I'm preaching and distract you. But um, it, my finger's healing just fine. But, uh, and, you know, I've seen some of the disco moves you have done when you've slipped on ice. So don't laugh too hardly at me. It's, it's slippery and icy out there. I hope that you've managed to dig your homes out from all of this. But I, I'm being a little bit uh, silly with my words here, but the point is sometimes there are things that happen in our life that we just didn't expect. There are things we have plans made and all of a sudden those plans take a turn. And that, that might be something very minor like dislocating a finger. It might be minor like a, an airplane flight that doesn't land where you expected. I, our daughter uh, took a flight from Hamilton to Abbotsford uh, two weeks ago, our uh, daughter Lauren, and uh, she was supposed to land in Abbotsford, but the winds were too strong and she had to land in Vancouver. Well, you know, for us, out here, we don't think of Vancouver and Abbotsford as being very far apart, but you know that meant waiting around for a bus to take her to uh, Abbotsford Airport where she could pick up her car. It meant a couple of extra hours of missing her kids and not getting home until the kids were in bed and all that. Minor inconvenience, but that's one of those things that happens in life. I heard about another one recently where a, a group were coming back from the Bahamas, not Costa Rica, fortunately, but coming back from the Bahamas after a vacation, and they were quite happy to be returning. They were supposed to land in Regina. Instead, they find they're landing in Calgary and have to take an eight-hour bus ride from Calgary to Regina. That would not be fun at the end of a Bahamas vacation. But again, the kind of trivial things that happen in life that, we, that wouldn't be that big of a deal. Some of you have had things that happened in your life that really put a damper on your plans, that really changed the, the path of your life. Maybe it was a job that didn't work out well. Maybe it's a diagnosis of cancer. Maybe it is some other disorder or disease that has hit you hard. Maybe it is just a relationship that's been difficult. Whatever it might be, these are things that happen in our lives that we don't have control over and they change our plans. I want to direct our attention to a passage of scripture today in John chapter 13 verses 1 through 17. And the guy who shows up in it, besides Jesus, of course, but the other guy that shows up in this is the disciple Peter, who Peter seems to always be trying to figure out who this Jesus is. And so that's what we've been talking about in this sermon series. Who is Jesus? And Peter spends a long time trying to figure out who Jesus is. And Jesus keeps kind of disrupting his life along the way. 
So we'll talk about that in a moment. But let's look, look at the passage together today and see how Peter is interacting with Jesus in this passage today. John chapter 13, verses 1 through 17. Before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his Father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. It was time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had given him all authority over everything, and that he had come from God and would return to God. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, and wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around him. When Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you don't understand now what I'm doing, but someday you will. No, Peter protested, you will never ever wash my feet. Jesus replied, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. Simon Peter exclaimed, then wash my hands and head as well, Lord, not just my feet. Jesus replied, a person who has bathed all over does not need to wash except for the feet to be entirely clean. And you disciples are clean, but not all of you. For Jesus knew who would betray him. This is what he meant when he said, not all of you are clean. So after washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, do you understand what I'm doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I've given you an example to follow. Do as I have done. I tell you the truth. Slaves are not greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. We see these words and we've read them maybe many times in our lives. Some of us have. Some of us are just discovering them again. And we look at this and we know that it's about Jesus being humble, being a servant. But he's also being a teacher in this passage. He is trying to help Peter, trying to help the disciples to figure out one more aspect of who he is. Peter is trying to understand it, and Peter seems to be kind of the representative that speaks for the other disciples in this case, because they're probably all trying to figure out, well, Lord, you're our master, you're our rabbi, you're the one whose feet we should be washing, but instead you're washing ours, and, and they're wrestling with this, and Peter is wrestling with it, and he doesn't want his feet washed by Jesus, but then he, Jesus says, no, I must do this, and and Peter says, well, then wash my head and my hands as well. And, and he's, he's really struggling, wrestling to try and figure out what it is that Jesus wants him to learn from this incident. I think Peter was doing that throughout a lot of his life. Peter was 
a guy who probably had gone to Torah school like every other young Jewish boy, but he had given up on any goals, if he ever had them, of being a rabbi or being a Pharisee or being a scribe or some religious leader. He was a fisherman, and he seems pretty content to be a fisherman. He had friends who fished with him, and they did their work and took care of their family. Peter, it seems, probably at some point had a wife, because we know that Jesus healed his mother-in-law at a certain point. But as we read through the New Testament, we don't see anything about his wife spoken of her, and so perhaps she had passed away. That might have been a disruption in his life. But Jesus comes along and wants him to become a follower of his and, and takes him away from his fishing boats and says, I want you to come with me, I want you to follow me, and I want you to become a fisher of men. That's a real change of direction for Peter's plans. And so he follows Jesus, but it seems like Jesus goes off from time to time and maybe Peter goes back to fishing once or twice and certainly after Jesus is crucified, we see that Peter goes back to fishing for a while. He's trying to follow Jesus. He wants to follow Jesus. He thinks he's following, at certain points, he thinks he's following the triumphant Messiah, but he discovers that he's following the suffering servant Messiah. And I think he's wrestling with who is this Jesus and how do I follow him well? At certain points, he, he doesn't carry a sword, but then at another point, he's carrying a sword and he seems to want to be Jesus' bodyguard. And Jesus says, no, no, I don't want you to use a sword. Put down the sword. So Peter is constantly wrestling with who Jesus is, and I think he stands in and kind of represents all of the disciples wrestling with who Jesus is. And through all of it, Jesus is gently teaching his disciples who he is. Peter, we, we're not sure uh, what he what goes on after the resurrection. There's not a lot. Uh, we see him showing up in Acts and we show him, see him showing up in a few places. We wonder if he wrote the epistles of First and Second Peter. There's some question whether he wrote them or if he just kind of spoke into them and others wrote those epistles. But he knew about persecution. He knew about difficult times in following Jesus. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 14, we read, But even if you suffer for doing what is right, God will reward you for it. So don't worry or be afraid of their threats. 1 Peter 4.12 says, Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you are going through, as if some strain, uh, something strange were happening to you. Peter knew persecution. We believe that maybe he was, suffered a martyr's death at the end of his life. Peter's life was totally disrupted by Jesus. And at every turn, Jesus gently teaches Peter and the rest of the disciples who he is and what his mission is on earth. And he continues to do this with us today. Jesus is a teacher teaching us to trust him, teaching us to be humble, teaching us to serve others, teaching us not to be anxious, 
teaching us to love one another, love our neighbors, love our God. I think sometimes the disruptions that we sense in our lives, the difficulties that we sense in our lives, the, the, the moments when it seems like we're going off the path, those are those moments when we're most open to hearing from Jesus and most open to his teaching of our lives. And when, we, when plans change, we need to spend some time listening to Jesus in those moments. So what does it look like to follow Jesus? What does it look like to really listen to him when difficult things come along or plans change in our lives? Well, first of all, I just want to share with you kind of three things that I think are important in this aspect of uh, learning from this gentle teacher. We have a tendency to forget that Jesus is indeed good. Even when difficult, bad things happen to us, Jesus is good. He wants us to learn and grow from the good and the bad circumstances in our lives. He wants good fruit to grow in our lives. And sometimes that fruit comes in those difficult times. Galatians chapter 5 verses 22 through 24 is that passage that reminds us that we, by the Holy Spirit, get to grow and bear good fruit in our lives. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Through those times in our lives, the Holy Spirit is working in our lives to produce that kind of fruit. Jesus is good and wants us to grow that fruit. Secondly, we can be grateful. We can live a life of gratitude. We need to be able to thank God even in the midst of disruptions. I, I need to learn that one daily. I can get kind of grumpy uh, about uh, a dislocated finger and not being able to type and things like that. Minor, minor issues in life that make me grumpy. My wife will tell you that I've been a little bit grumpy the last few days, calling her up on the phone and saying, I hate trying to do this stuff with this dislocated finger. But I need to be thankful. I need to be grateful for the great gifts in my life. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18 says, Be thankful in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. We have so much in our lives to be thankful for. In the good times, in the difficult times. So, we remind ourselves that Jesus is good and wants to go grow good fruit in our lives. We remind ourselves to be grateful in the good and the bad times. And thirdly, we need to remind ourselves that we have a resurrected life in Christ. This is not our lasting home. We are destined for something beyond this world. We have eternal life right now. 1 John chapter 2, verse 25 says, And in this fellowship, we enjoy the eternal life he has promised us. We've already entered into eternal life. And one day, we will leave this earth 
and enter into a new heaven and new earth. We have eternal life. So the, the, the minor problems, the minor struggles of this world will no longer bother us and we will have eternal life with Jesus forevermore. So we, we learn that Jesus is good and wants us to bear good fruit, uh, wants us to give good fruit, wants to give us good fruit through the Holy Spirit. He wants us to uh, seek gratitude in the midst of disruptions and he wants to remind us that we have a resurrected life. He's a gentle teacher. He teaches us in all of these circumstances and he's willing to teach us again and again that he is the only name in whom we will find eternal life. Evergreen is really good at taking time to listen to Jesus. And so I'm going to encourage you as a congregation to pause for a moment and listen to Jesus. Just let's spend a minute, uh, a few minutes here. We're going to listen to what is it that God wants to speak into our lives here today. I'll ask a few questions as we uh, go through this in the next few minutes. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up on stage. We're going to ask you a few questions to just guide your process as you think these things through and ask God what it is that he wants you to learn today from his word and from his uh, teaching. And so let us just pause for a moment, center ourselves and, and uh, admit that we want to hear from Jesus here today. Lord, we've heard your word here in John chapter 13, and we see that Jesus is a gentle teacher. What is it that you have to speak into our lives? And so I ask us each to consider these questions. Where in your life do you see the goodness of Jesus? Pause for a moment to think about where you see in your life the goodness of Jesus. Secondly, for what can you be thankful? Even when life is tough, what is it that you can be thankful for? Lastly, consider what is it, what does eternal life mean to you? For God so loved the world that he gave his son that whoever believes in him might have eternal life. That is a great hope. Let us meditate upon eternal life for a moment.
Jesus, you are a gentle teacher in our lives. Even when we forget these things, even when we go off the path, even when our plans get disrupted, you are there in the midst, teaching us, helping us to learn from you. Help us to hear your message for us today so that we might grow in you. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to move into a time of communion. Uh, if uh, you didn't receive one of these little packages uh, when you walked in, there's some on a table there, a table there, a table there. Just feel free to get up and uh, get one of those little packages. We shall see how I do getting into this package with one hand. There we go. Just take a moment to find that uh, package and then uh, we'll walk through this together. Um, when we celebrate communion, we are reminded of the time we're coming up to. We're in the, in the midst of Lent and before long it's going to be Easter. And uh, this story we've read today uh, we know is part of the story leading up to Jesus' arrest, Jesus' um, death, burial, and resurrection. And we know that he did all of that for us, not only as a, a gentle teacher, but as the sacrificial lamb for our lives. And so uh, we, we do this periodically. We take a little bit of bread and it's a small token of bread and yet it conveys much in our lives. It reminds us that on the night that he was betrayed, Jesus took bread and he broke it and said, this is my body broken for you. And so we eat this bread as a representation of the sacrificial body of Jesus broken for us. And so, Lord Jesus, we thank you for that body on the cross that was broken for us. And also, on that same, in that same manner, on that same night, he took a cup of wine and said, this is my blood poured out for many, poured out for you. This blood of Christ cleanses us from sin. And so we take this juice today and we remind ourselves that we have been cleansed from our sins. And we take it God so loved the world that he gave his son, his one and only son, that whoever believes in him 
might not perish, but have eternal life. Thank you, Jesus, for coming into the world and giving us eternal life. And all of your promises are yes and amen.